0: introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy.
1: All right, here we go. We are back with our man, one of the smartest people on all the internet, definitely one of the smartest people I know, the good doctor, Eric Eager. How's it going? How you doing? How you been, man?
0: You know, it was a fun week. Uh, you know, part of me is a little bit um, you know, sad that it's over, obviously, um, because uh, you know, all, all indications are that we have a couple months before any sports again. But uh, it was, you know, it was a great time. I think if you're a Vikings fan, uh, it was a good weekend
1: for sure. So I uh, can't complain much. All right. Well, let's get into that. Let's talk about that. Because one of the things we hear often uh, on Vikings Twitter, uh, in Facebook groups, on Reddit, is how much the company you work for, pro football focused, <laughs> hates are Vikings. So, Eric, break it down for me. What did Pro Football Focus think about the uh, the Vikings draft?
0: Well, I know that, I mean, they got four players that George and I took in our analytics mock, which is not meant to be predictive, but more of like a, hey, here are valuable players that are good enough uh, to take, you know, with, with decent draft capital. I mean, the Vikings, um, you know, Jeff, they got Jefferson. Uh, they got Gladney, who we actually had going ahead of Jefferson in that mock. They got Ezra Cleveland, who we like, uh, and then uh, Cameron Danceler, who we actually had to the Vikings in one of those mocks. Uh, you know, that's a great start. And there are, you know, obviously you can pick nits at some of these things. You know, the uh, Wonum, you know, might not have been the best pick. Uh, you know, he had a negative wins above average, but then they come back with Troy Die, uh, you know, and, and some other players later on that are really good value. So, you know. I, I want to temper expectations because it's going to be tougher to rebuild a team during this issue, you know, this pandemic and everything. I think, you know, um, but if you're a Vikings fan and you're a little down on what has happened basically since the season ended this last weekend was a really good step in the right direction. And I, like I said, I don't know how it translates into winning on the field this year specifically um, but it's it certainly
1: bodes well for the future of the team, uh, you know, moving over the next few years. Yeah. So with the players they picked, uh, you you tweeted something interesting out uh, after the Jefferson pick. I guess could you help me understand, or or, or help the listeners uh, understand what the the change in kind of uh, wins might be with the subtraction of Stefan Diggs with the addition of a player like Justin Jefferson and how pro football focus has him projected moving forward.
0: Yeah, the, the only tricky thing about Jefferson is that he only played five snaps the entire season last year on the outside. Um, and, and slot targets are pretty good. You know, they're obviously good plays um, in an offense. They're just more replaceable. And, and so we would have him going off as something like a 015 wins guy early, which is a pretty good mark for a rookie to have on average. Diggs was in that 0.35, 0.4, you know, sort of wins range. So it is a lot. You know, Diggs actually had some negative plays last year for the Vikings that really hurt them. So his war wasn't as high as his great statistics was. Um, But, you know, so they don't actually lose a whole lot from going from Diggs uh, to Jefferson. Uh, I would say on average, obviously I think Diggs offers more high end uh, than Jefferson would just given his limitations from a position standpoint, but it, it was just, it was a good move for Minnesota, right? especially considering he probably wasn't their most valuable pick uh, you know, in that first round um, because they, they came back and really solidified some of the issues they had in the secondary going with Gladney later.
1: Yeah. And so that brings me to, uh, to something that we talked about on a show earlier this week with Daniel Jeremiah saying that with that pick of Justin Jefferson, uh, he would not be surprised if Justin Jefferson and what he brings to the table will basically make Vikings fans completely forget about Stefan Diggs. Uh, when you hear a take like that, given what you're looking at, and you're saying, that, you know, Stefan Diggs, uh, you know, because of the negative plays and some of the other things, um, might be a bit more replaceable than we'd otherwise would have thought. I guess, how does that take uh, land for you?
0: Well. Year one, I don't think they're going to see it. I mean, the, you know, passing offenses in the NFL. Now, the LSU Tigers did run a, you know, an NFL-style offense with Joe Brady, but it's still going to be an adjustment, and, and there's still a lot of limitations in that passing game by virtue of who the quarterback is. But he, you know, long-term, it, it, it might be something where the Vikings don't necessarily miss Digs. Now, he's, he's very good. So it's going to take some high-end performance from Jefferson and guys like K.J. Osborne to even come close to replace that early. Um, but long term, uh, you know, it is a hot take, but I don't know if it's the hottest take in the world. Uh, you know, the only, the only gripe I have about them uh, in, in the draft is that they only took two receivers, uh, you know, sort of of any sort of note um, because they do still need, I think, somebody, you know, they need a third or fourth receiver, uh, you know, to really solidify that receiving core. But, you know, Jefferson to me is a good start.
1: All right. One of the other things I wanted to get your thoughts on is how Spielman maneuvered the draft as you kind of assess not just the players that were taken this year, but just how Spielman maneuvered to get additional picks this year to go ahead and start stockpiling picks for future seasons. Uh, When you're looking at things, how do you assess what Spielman was able to do in this year's draft and, and how it sets the Vikings up for this year and for the future?
0: Yeah, I think we tweeted out that they won the trade with the San Francisco 49ers something like 57% of times, which is really hard to do uh, in the NFL. Um, I think the only trades that were like significantly better, you know, in that early in the draft were, you know, when New England traded back with the Los Angeles Chargers. So they, they got some good value there. They also got a player who, you know, they, they still were able to get a player that they should want, you know, later in the draft with that trade. So it was a very good, I think, maneuver for them. Uh, And then being able to take a 2021 fourth round pick off the Bears in exchange for a current 2020 fifth round pick when you still ended up with 15 picks is, I think, a masterful stroke uh, by the Vikings GM. So, you know, I mean, he was GMing for his job this weekend. And I think for all indications, you know, he should be able to keep it uh, for a while given what they've done. Uh, you know, the players still have to perform on the field, but process-wise, I, I don't think you can
1: have much of a gripe with what Spielman has done over the past, you know, week or so. Yeah, so the, the next question, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. So there was a lot made of the fact that the Vikings went with a lot of team captains. Um, and, you know, that's been, it's been posited that because of the abbreviated offseason that we're going to get, maybe they went with less high upside guys, more uh, upstanding character type leadership individuals. Uh, when you hear something like that, um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Like, is that something that you even consider or think about when you're projecting a player from, you know, college to the pros?
0: I mean, I don't think it can hurt, you know, um, but at the same time, like I said before, as positive as I am about this draft, uh, we need to be really careful um, about expecting too much out of the, these picks Come September or October, whenever the season starts, just because a it's hard as it's hard anyway, and it's hard positions away from the football. It's hard, uh, you know, to, to acclimate right away. Um, but you know, it, it's it's going to be especially so, you know, given the fact that uh, there's not there's going to be abbreviated offseason, so they, it might give them an, an incremental chance. I think it's also uh, a little bit because you know Stephon Diggs, they they viewed him as a malcontent, even though I think he really just wanted the ball. Uh, you know, so there's probably a little bit overcorrecting there. But like I said, they drafted good football players. And, and, you know, the Dantzler pick, especially, I think, points to that where, you know, he was able to compete in the SEC against, I mean, you look at the number of SEC players taken in round one, it was like half of round one, and he was out there, you know, surrendering really good coverage numbers to those players, who cares what he ran the 40 at? So to me, you know, that's ancillary stuff. And I think, you know, you can convince yourself that's important, but, you know, what's important is that all the players that they pick were good play- good football players.
1: Complete, you know, complete rabbit hole. When you mentioned Cam Camdanster's 40, I couldn't help but think of, you know, the Twitter footage that was put out with the new 40. Oh, yeah. How do you, like when players run at the Combine versus pro days and all that stuff in a normal off season, uh, how do you decide which of the numbers you're going to use for what?
0: It's tough. I mean, we, and I, I got into an argument with this, somebody over it, you know, usually what we'll do um, is we'll override with a pro day number only if there's no combine number. So generally speaking, we want to make them as, as normalized as possible. So the only way that we'll use a pro day number is if it is in lieu, uh, you know, of a, of a missing uh, combine number. So, um, and I know that's not perfect. There's never a perfect c- circumstance, you know, eventually we'll have, you know, tracking data on these players and we'll, we'll, you know, but even then it'll come down to, well, you know, do you track, do you use this tracking data when he was injured and all, you know, so there's, there's, all, there's no perfect way. And that's why I think, you know, obviously anybody worth their salt it is going to use some combination of analytics, uh, you know, and, and, athletic testing and other things. Um, you know, I mean, we're not even getting to the, the, the area of like, you know, uh, personality tests and all these things that people give. Wanderlink is mostly useless, but, you know, stuff like that. We're not even getting into that realm currently. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really just one of those things where, you know, you have to use the information that's available to you and, you know, use how it's done historically to wait. Uh, different things, and know that you're not. It's not going to be perfect. That's why you draw distributions around these players.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, we we've talked pretty glowingly about Rick Spielman thus far, but there have been some criticisms, some critiques of the draft outside of the players here or there who were laid around. Somebody's you know favorite guy didn't get taken, but the you know consistent criticism that we'll hear pretty much forever, I think. Um, is that the Vikings didn't do enough to address the offensive line. They didn't draft an interior offensive line player uh, early. I personally was happy with the way things went. Uh, you know, Cleveland, more and more valuable player at a more valuable position. But I wanted to get your thoughts here on the idea that the interior offensive line, as it currently stands, is just not good enough. And the Vikings did not do enough in a weak uh, interior offensive line class to spend one of their premium picks to address that position?
0: Yeah, it's it's tricky because, you know, there weren't players that were difference makers at the position. Uh, and and so teams like got Cesar Ruiz, teams that got Nite and Muti, like those kind of guys, you know, they were probably – I mean, Muti actually went later, but like they're overspending, I think, for for early players at that position group. Um and you know the Vikings. You know, frankly, I mean, well, I, I heard the other day on, on Dan Barrero's show the Vikings have had exactly one offensive lineman make even play in the Pro Bowl, the last decade, so 2010 to 2019, and that was Matt Khalil's rookie year as an alternate. So you know, you know, yeah, and this is a little nihilist, but like, I think you know, if they drafted an interior lineman, would that even matter at this point? And, and the answer is probably no. You know, they've had they've had success with Brian O'Neill. And, you know, and I think that Ezra Cleveland is sort of an O'Neill clone. You know, you can do some things with Riley Reid by moving him inside. You know, you give Bradbury a second chance. Josh Klein is still a free agent. So you have some options. And I don't think any of the interior players in the draft – now, Blake Brandall has an opportunity, I think, to move inside uh, if, if they want him to. Um, but I don't think any of the players in the draft really move the needle for them as far as, um, you know, as far as interior players. So uh, – you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm not going to pick nits here with their draft in that sense.
1: All right. Well, we, we've talked about the Vikings and we've largely been positive. Let's 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 turn the corner. Let's do things a little bit differently to bring the 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 show home here. Talk to me about the uh, the rest of the NFC North, Eric, because uh, the Packers, in particular, I am really struggling to understand what they were doing in this draft. Um, say they're tanking but they just picked a quarterback like what was going on with the rest of the NFC North and uh, I guess yeah help me understand from your perspective at PFF what they were doing.
0: I think there's a couple things that the Green Bay Packers you know I mean the Bears are a mess I mean they don't have any picks they don't have a quarterback uh, they traded uh, you know they, they made a good pick at Jalen Johnson but Cole Clement was a terrible pick and like I you know I don't know what they're doing Detroit might actually be good but you know we have to see how their coach uh, does and how their quarterback plays. And, and then for everybody, you know, for the for the team that the Vikings fans care about, uh, Green Bay, um, it's it's very clear sort of where they're coming from. I, I don't agree with it, but they they miss the one seed because they got their butts kicked on Sunday night football uh, against the San Francisco 49ers in like October, November. Then they don't they, they miss the play, you know miss the Super Bowl by getting their butts kicked in January by the, the 49ers. LaFleur is a McVeigh Shanahan, Tree member. It's very clear to me, uh, you know, that when, when you look at what they're doing, it's very much to try to emulate the Niners. Now, the the sneaky thing about the Jordan Love pick is that when you actually look at those teams – Everybody talk about McVeigh, you know, and how he waits until 15 seconds, or you know, he calls the play and lets Goff sort of. He thinks for Goff until 15 seconds. A lot of people think of that as a deficiency in Goff, but I really think it's a management style on, on the part of McVeigh. You 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 think about Shanahan and how you know Kirk Cousins was always his sort of prototypical quarterback, um, and how he he didn't even scout Mahomes and things like that, and. You know what is Kirk Cousins? Well, Kirk Cousins is kind of a a rich man's Jimmy Garoppolo in some ways, in that he's like very talented, can make all the throws, but isn't a alpha, right? And and Jimmy G is a and more of an alpha, but less of a good quarterback. Those coaches, I think, really like to be able to control the quarterback that they're in, that they're playing with. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't confine to that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't. Tom Brady doesn't confine to that. And so. I think Jordan Love is possibly that kind of quarterback because if you trade up for a guy who might not even be a first-round pick, you you, you who struggled in college, I don't even think he was worthy of a first-round pick, you produce an environment in which he can succeed, you're going to have that guy eating out of the palm of your hand. And that's exactly what the McVeigh's, Lola Fleurs, uh, and the Shanahan's like. And so that's the my rationale for that draft pick. Now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense given what Rodgers' dead money is for the next few years and the fact that He's got a contract and that Jordan Love isn't even any good, all that stuff. But that's my rationale for it, that they're trying to be the 49ers, both from a football standpoint, but also a philosophical standpoint, which, you know, if you're a Vikings fan, you love
1: to see it. Yeah. So um, tell me about their their Kyle Juszczyk, um clone person well he,
0: he he's from my town of cincinnati i mean he he's a good football player he's not a third round pick i think that's the really tricky part aj dylan actually has some pretty good you know tackle breaking metrics and things like that but he's also not a first round or a second round pick so that's that's a that's a tricky one too um just in the sense that they're over-drafting players uh you know to fit a, a need and i think that that's really a suboptimal play uh you know when you're trying to win football games you 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 draft you draft good players and mold your scheme. And if you're a GM, you especially do that because your head coach, I mean, you know, the percentage of coaches that are going to be around to see their scheme sort of, sort of hit is lower than you think. So it it was a really perplexing draft. Honestly, trading up and drafting Jordan love was the best pick they made. And it was one of the worst picks in the first round. So
1: it is what it is. Wow. Okay. And uh, the bears, they decided they needed all the tight ends. Uh, Talking about the Lions, because, you know, while we spend a lot of our time ragging on the Bears, ragging on the Packers, the Lions in many ways kind of flew under the radar for, for many Vikings fans. How did they do in this draft?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I like Jeffrey Okuda. Um, you know, the, the draft pick uh, of DeAndre Swift doesn't make a ton of sense just because, you know, they have on Johnson and he's one of their better players. Um, but you sort of look later, Julian Aquara. I think where they got him is a pretty good pick. Uh, Jonah Jackson's a way better pick at, you know, in round, round three than some of the, you know, interior players that went ahead of him. So, no, I, you know, even Quintes Cephas, I think, is a guy that complements, you know, the Galladay's uh, of the world and the players that they have, you know, sort of going currently. So, um, you know, a pretty good draft on their part. Uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be, it remains to be seen. I mean, this was a team that was basically 500 a season ago, gave the Vikings a really good game in Ford Field. Uh, you know, during Kirk's like, you know, super hot streak, you know, they're, they're a sneaky team, I think, to be able to sort of make uh, some noise uh, in the NFC North. Now, uh, a lot of it is the fact that you look at, you know, Stafford's probably a little bit better than Cousins. The weapons okay. for Detroit are better than Minnesota's. Um, and Minnesota needs players to acclimate. I mean, Detroit basically needs one player to acclimate, and that's Jeffrey Okuda, uh, for them to be fairly good. And, and, I, and I think that that's, you know, a reasonable ask.
1: All right, well, uh, let's, let's bring things home. here. Let's wrap things up. I need to ask you the question that everyone wants to know. How bad did it hurt you in your soul when your Kansas City Chiefs drafted a running back in the first round?
0: It wasn't great. I mean, I, have, I actually have a friend. I have contacts that work for, for all basically every team, but the, my, my contact that works for that team asked me if I still was a fan uh, Friday morning, which, you know, I had to say, yes, of course, you know, uh, unconditional type of thing. Right. But, um, but you know, Clyde Edwards, A'Laire is a great running back. It sounds from all, you know, it sounds, you know, this, the story with his mother is, I think, you know, fairly heartwarming. And if they use him the same way that they use Damian Williams, um, I think they'll be fine. I mean, the, the issue is going to be if they try to run the football too much, uh, and they get away from what really makes them great. Uh, That's where I think that they could lose it a little bit. Um, I was also a little disappointed. Now, it sounds like there weren't any offers for Chris Jones, um, but I'm a little disappointed. I think Chris Jones is a terrific player, um, but I don't know if signing him to like a DeForest Buckner like deal is really going to hurt their salary cap for the next three, four years. And also, you know, Patrick Mahomes needs a contract pretty soon here. I think they just picked up his fifth year option. So, you know, I don't know how much better they got, you know, during the draft, um, but I do know. Clyde Edwards Alaire is a good player, and I, you know, I'll probably pick him in all my fantasy leagues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess last question: Were you or George the one who was more upset about the moves that their teams made in the early rounds of the draft? Well, I mean, I was happy with what the Vikings
0: did, and I, you know, I like, you know, I liked what they did. I mean, the George was more upset because we could see it coming, right? So when we saw when, when, you know, so when the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I mostly jokingly put my hands on my face and took a picture of it and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, it was sort of a bit. I also won a decent amount of money because I had an over one half running back prop and an under one-and-a-half running back's prop, so I kind of hit that middle, which I didn't think I was going to get. So I was, you know, so there was somewhat of a personal hedge there, um, but George could tell that Kinlaw or, or, Kinlaw or Derek Brown were going to be the pick the whole time. Uh, and so we were sort of leading up to it, chiding him a little bit. So when it finally happened, uh, I th- whereas the, the Edwards Hilaire pick kind of caught me off guard. Uh, and, and frankly, the Jefferson pick for Minnesota caught me off guard in a really good way. So it was sort of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst of
1: nights. There we go. You take the good, you take the bad. Well, I uh, guess now that the draft has uh, kind of wrapped, what's, uh, what's next for you? What's on deck given that we have a while before things are going to ramp back up again? What are you working on?
0: Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm basically, you know, working on 2021 projections right now for some of the draft players. Uh, we're going to hopefully in the next couple of days, uh, get you guys a mock draft simulator for t- at least the first round of 2021. So you everybody can go out and play with that. And what'll be fun is, you know, you'll be able to pick, you know, let's say the Vikings win the Super Bowl and you want to have them at 32. Or, you know, let's say they tank and you want them at one, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, there will be, uh, you know, fun options for people to play with. We're thinking about creating just, uh, you know, just more things, you know, for you guys, uh, you know, who are you are diligent uh, users of our site to to sort of play with. Because again, it's a really boring time right now, and you know, you know, aside from you know best ball drafts and things like that, there's not a lot to do or uh, betting on Madden simulations. So. You know, we're going to try to give you guys some content uh, over the next uh, few months to to tide you over.
1: Awesome, man. Well, uh, thank you for that, and Eric, as always, thanks for coming on and making time. And uh, yeah, sure, we will talk very soon.